Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf, in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Uh, hi, this is Chris Wolf, the Executive Director of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation, uh, here with another episode of Toka Backstage. It is my extreme honor to have with me today Wendy Hammers and uh, Stephen Tobolowski, who are part of uh, My Dog is Better Than Yours, which will be at the Armstrong Theater Saturday, November 5th. First of all, thank you both for uh, joining me. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Pleasure. Um, some of you may recognize Wendy from some of the great shows that she did with us. Uh, Take the Gun, Leave the Cannoli, um, uh, <laughs> Dates from Heaven and Hell, uh, I Am Woman, uh, some great storytelling events. Uh, Stephen Tobolowski has an IMD page that I quite frankly got bored reading because it was so long. Uh, but some of you may have uh, recognized him from, uh, I, I guess it's an iconic role of uh, Ned from uh, Groundhog's Day. It has become iconic, yes. Do, do you find people recognize you from that more than say, oh, you're, you're, I loved your portrayal of the evil pharmacist on uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent. Yeah, that was that was great. That was that was a lot of fun. The evil pharmacist was great. The unique thing about Law and Order Criminal Intent, the evil pharmacist, is <laughs> that we were shooting that when uh, Katie Irby, who who is uh, Vincent's partner in that movie, right? The the mm -hmm. two cops, uh, she was pregnant, and so I was doing a show in New York at the time, and so we shot part of the criminal. Uh, in, yeah, um, what was I? I was I, I sold drugs, right? Yeah, right. I was yeah, I was uh, a pharmacist, criminal pharmacist. So we shot part of that while I was in New York, and then she had to have a baby, and then the show went on a hiatus, and so it goes in the record books as the longest shoot I have ever had. <laughs> I was on that show for a year. A year. Now, they didn't pay me for the whole year. <laughs> they only paid me for the little bit of time I shot here. And then they said, okay, we'll call you when we're going to finish the show. And it was a year later. And so I finished it a year later. But yes, the evil pharmacist was noteworthy for many reasons. Yes. Well, um, again, thank you both for, for joining me. So, Wendy, my dog is better than yours. What was the, what was the inspiration behind this phenomenal idea well you have to get some credit for it chris because um you sort of planted a seed i had done a show uh in santa monica uh for valentine's day and during the valentine's day show several of the stories had some animal element in them meaning there was one story where the woman was saying that she knew she was going to spend the rest of her life with her husband this this man would be her husband however um she told the dog before she told him and so people's loyalty to their animals is very evident. And that inspired a conversation between you and I. And we thought, what about a whole entire evening of really funny people talking about their love of their four-legged friends? And this show was born. The idea was born. So it was something as simple as that. And just, I'm so excited about it. We have such a fun lineup. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Besides Stephen, who, who else do you have lined up? So we have a wonderful um, award-winning comedy writer named Carol Liefer. 
Um, many people know her from her work on Seinfeld. She currently Seinfeld. writes on a little show called Max. She's amazing. She writes on the Oscars. Um, and she was the inspiration. Not a lot of people know this. The inspiration for the Elaine character on Seinfeld. Like in real life, she was really close with Jerry. And that's where the idea came from. Uh, so she's great. She's on the show. Uh, the wonderful Cindy Shupak, uh, creator of one of the creators of Sex in the City and many other things. And she um, also not only is telling a great dog story, but made a short film with um, Sarah Paulson. And that's going to be shown as part of the evening. We have the W. Bruce Cameron, an amazing writer who's written a series of books called A Dog's Life and A Dog's Purpose. And then they were made into feature films. Um, and all of the stories are being told from the perspective of the dog. They're delightful. He's going to be with us. Um, the incredible comedian, Monica Piper. Uh, <gasps> oh, goodness, that might be her calling right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Oh, it's my good friend, Spam Risk. They love me. Okay. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, let's see. Who else? Monica is hysterical. And I feel like I'm oh, and Lori Allen. Great uh, actress and voiceover artist from SpongeBob SquarePants. She's going to be with us. So it's just, it goes on and on, but it's going to be funny people who love their animals and telling us all why their dog is better than yours. So, so and, that's the and Stephen, as part of the show, do you feel that your dog is better than, than everyone else's? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, without question. But, but you know, it, it's a love story. And, you know, we all tend to love the ones we love more than the ones that we haven't met yet. But, uh, you know, my dog was Pooch, and there is no other. There is no other in my life. Um, do you, what do you and think? I, I just want to add, his story is very convincing. It is possible that there will be people in the audience who arrive at the show convinced that their dog is better than anyone else's until they hear the story of Pooch, and then they need to change them. <laughs> very convincing. Um, what, what do you think it is about... I mean, I, I have to confess, while I have had a dog and both my children have multiple dogs, I, and I love dogs, but I grew up as a cat person. So needless to say, now I have cats. What is it about dogs that, that I mean, I've noticed that most, a lot of cat people are kind of like, yeah, I like dogs, but I also like cats. But dog people are kind of like, no, I love dogs. They're hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Or is it? I think it's, yeah, qualities. you go ahead, Wendy. You go ahead. I, I think they have a lot of human qualities. I think people really connect to them as if they're a true family member. Now, I am also a cat person, but I am a cat person who is forever uh, watching what I call dog porn. I'm always looking for dogs, taking pictures of dogs on the street and sending them to my husband many pictures a day, trying to convince him to get a dog. So I'm like a closet dog person. But I think in answer to your question, um, they are part of the family. They are loyal. They are there when you need them through the ups and downs. They don't judge. And in LA, it's all about image and Hollywood. They don't care about any of that. They're just real deal people. So I think that's why they're so lovable. And and I think in a way, dogs embody innocence uh, mm. much more than cats. I think people who, and I have cats now. I have two cats now. And, and there's nothing I could do about it. You, know, <laughs> you can't sell them to a lab, can't do anything like that. But the reason you love cats is they're idiosyncratic. You know, they're idiosyncratic natures. They just do things that are just don't make any sense at all. But what you love about dogs is you know that they would do what they could to save you if they possibly could, if you were in trouble. You know, they are mm -hmm. an extension of the family as you said, and uh, 
they are an affair of the heart where and and they require a lot of attention a lot mm -hmm. whereas cats no 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 the kitties don't want the attention and we love their standoffishness and we just hope that maybe they'll brush up against our leg once in a while whereas yeah. the, the dogs are always in your lap that is true because I, I my wife and i will joke from time to time about one of our cats that if we go if we're found like in our dead in our bed it's probably because <laughs> one of the cats like decided okay they had enough <laughs> <laughs> or you wake up in the you know wake up in the morning and you just these like eyes are peering at you like right it's time why aren't you up feeding me yet yeah no they they really run the joint here it's very much like that old you know poster it's Sinatra's world we just live in it I'd say that about our cats and in fact I was impressed with Stephen's ability to just bash the you know that he doesn't care that he has cats I won't even say it that loudly because I know they're in the other room listening and I'm going to pay for it <laughs> if I say things about them because they are the boss of me. The thing about the, the thing about cats, you know, I've had some magnificent cats in my life. Bandit was one of the great cats of all time. Let me tell you how great Bandit the cat was. We came back from vacation once, and my little boy Robert at the time had a pet turtle, which of course is still alive. This turtle has been alive for 23 years, and Robert doesn't care about the turtle. But we had come back from a vacation when Robert was a little boy, and the animal sitter, uh, the babysitter, had left a hose in the turtle tank and it overflowed and the turtle was, the turtle was gone. The turtle was gone and somewhere in our yard. And I start screaming. Robert comes out and sees the turtle's gone. He starts crying and Bandit, the kitty cat, comes outside, stands up on her back legs, looks into the turtle tank and runs into the yard. And then I hear meowing, meow meow in the middle of the yard in the middle of weeds that hadn't been mowed in two weeks she is standing with her foot on the turtle's back in the middle of the entire yard she was that kind of cat but that is but, that is awesome but the thing about dogs and this i'll just say after pooch i haven't been able to have a dog mm. it was like pooch that love story was so intense that you know I won't have a parakeet, but I I just can't have another dog after the pooch. Too deep. Goes too deep. Is is Pooch no longer with us? Pooch is no longer with us. I'm sorry. Oh that's no, it it's okay. It's okay. But when I go on Facebook and I see everybody with the picture of the dog or the cat and they're gone, you know, and they say this was a bad morning, I you know, you can't help but like shed a tear but my story is is not about that <laughs> that part of my relationship with pooch it was about the beginning of my relationship and you know the beginning of a love affair is always a better story than the end <laughs> true that true that <laughs> yeah I, it's it's amazing that it's like sometimes animals just sort of find their way into your home that's how we sort of had our dog we had a, a cocker spaniel that just sort of found my wife and sort of adopted us yeah um and uh one of my first cats chris in, in new york followed me into a vegetarian restaurant and then followed me home and that's yeah that became my cat <laughs> the craziest thing i don't know the weirdest part about the story that they didn't mind that the cat was in the restaurant or it just followed me home and that, that's how i got my cat so they do they just make a decision and if you have an open heart it's very easy to fall in love with an animal because they yeah. really aside from love they don't really ask for much 
I mean, sure, food, but, you know, they're really good just in general. And, and one of the things about doing a show that's, you know, centered around animals um, and dogs in particular is the kind of audiences that show up for these kind of shows are also open-hearted folks, you know, people that are dogs <laughs> with the subject matter. So we'll have a great audience, I'm sure. And we're looking well, forward to it. It, it is that. interesting from a, from a theatrical standpoint. It's like, I, I will book, uh, there's a show called the stunt dog experience where they bring in dogs and they, you know, do all these great tricks and, and, uh, there's another um, some crazy mutt uh, show, but I'll be damned. I can't find a cat show to save my life. <laughs> Nobody can manage them. It's anarchy. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and I, I imagine that they, you know, the dog shows sell really well. So it's kind of like it doesn't really matter, but it would be fun to have a cat show every now and again. It's called the Internet. <laughs> it's it's like uh, we have a grandbaby now, and all she wants to do is see. Brr, brr, she can't talk, so she just goes. Brr, brr. I want she point to brr, brr, on the internet. There's three thousand cat videos. Three thousand because cats are the way they are. Humans are perfectly happy to watch them twenty four seven on the internet. But I try so hard to get my cat to watch the internet. She's not interested. <laughs> yeah. Like look, there's other cats there. She doesn't care. I, I force her. I show her. Not interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, we yeah. we found the great way to entertain our cats is watching tennis matches on the TV because they're they're all over the, the they're all over the place. Really. Um, so great. so going back to the show, we digress to our cats. We we're trying to stay on the dogs. Um, <laughs> Steve, I'm curious. Oh, I just want to say something about that. You asked me about how the show came to be, and I wanted to say the cat dog connection. Originally, I did a show called the Dog and Pony Show, as under the banner of Tasty Words Productions, my company, we reduced Steve themed evenings of stories. And the very first animal story one was the uh, the dog and pony show. And then the cat people were all up in arms because they said, well, why is it dog and pony? Where are the cats? So as a result of the successful dog and pony show, which was basically all about dogs, I had to do a different show that was a cat show because the people were upset. And I had Julie Newmar on that show because I thought, who would be the ultimate cat person? I thought, oh, I'll get cat woman. So there you go. Anyhow, <laughs> I just had to tell you that. Now I'm curious which sold better. The, the dog show or the cat show? Oh, oh, they they were both sold out. They're both great. I'm not of just course. saying that. They really were. I remember they were both really well attended. And it is true. People usually are like one or the other. But and then there's just the people that love animals and say, I'm just going to come to any, any great animal show. So I'm, I'm curious, um, Stephen, this is uh, this show is kind of like a like a storytelling show. Um, you're an accomplished actor, performer. Do you. What is it do you think about storytelling that people find so engaging, either as uh, to do it or to, to listen to it? I would have one answer before the pandemic, and I have another answer now. Before yeah. the pandemic, I, I'd say what people enjoy about listening to a story is the truth of a story <clears throat> and how that truth somehow takes them on a journey. And like any journey, it cannot end where it starts. And this is what people love about a good story. You start here and you end up in a place, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that you didn't end up in elsewhere. But since the pandemic, there's something else too. Mm -hmm. What we lack in our world is mirrors. And because we've been away from people, I realize that people are our mirrors, our real mirrors. The mirrors are nothing, the mirrors just even just try to tell you if you have something in your teeth after you eat broccoli. But the real mirrors are people. And by 
talking and seeing another face and having that face respond to you, there is a union that makes you better than the two. And that's what I think happens when you hear a story that is true, that really rings a bell with you. You see a mirror of your life in there and you are better than you were before. Wendy, would you agree with that? A thousand percent. I want to just say what a, what an astute observation, Stephen. And I will say that there have been two times in the 21 years that I've been producing these storytelling salons that I had this very specific experience related to what you just said. And that was doing shows post-pandemic or as we come out of the pandemic and the same kind of experience post 9-11. And in both cases, when we went back to live performance, the audiences, see, they're calling right now for tickets. Okay. The audiences were so incredibly hungry for not only to be connected to the stories, but the community of being with other humans. And you just feel it in the room. And it, it impacts the storytellers and the listeners, the whole experience. But yes, there is an absolute need to um, remember who we are, remember our own humanity. And we get that through great storytelling for sure. And from mm -hmm. other people too. And, and yeah. remember that, that, you know, when we tell a story about a dog or a cat, but when you tell a story about a dog in this case, you're talking about a loved one. And that Stanislavski always said, and I always thought this was kind of witchy kind of stuff in college when I was reading it, that what real acting is, is the fire that burns in between the actor and the audience. And I'm going mm -hmm. like, what, huh? when you are talking about a dog when you're talking about a loved one there is a fire that burns in the audience between the storyteller and the audience and that is the fire of you recognizing that love in you mm -hmm. uh the love completed lost whatever and that is what really shapes you when you hear a story about a dog is the fire of love that, and that I really just is want to add to that about love is, yeah. is we need to hear love stories any of any kind right now in the world. Well, so. do, do you think that, I mean, how, how, is, how has your guys' world changed with the pandemic? Because I know, like, Stephen, you must have been, I mean, working in the industry must have been difficult. And, and Wendy, I know that your shows, you know, you had to be put on hiatus. So mm -hmm. Have you been able to get back to some somewhat of a normal routine See, oh well well it it's first of all just the nuts and bolts of it of of doing uh show business with the pandemic has been very difficult uh like on the goldbergs covid tested every day then the actor we do hair and makeup outdoors they do hair and makeup outdoors then we go onto a truck with plexiglass boxes <clears throat> and each actor has their own plexiglass box and so after we're in hair and makeup and costume we sit on a truck back of a truck in a plexiglass box wow. where you can see the other actors you can talk because it's open at the top but you're doing that to prevent you rehearse with masks and shields on. And the only time you take everything off is when the camera rolls and it's scary as hell. And doing the Goldbergs, I was in the middle of a scene with Wendy, who you know plays Mama Goldberg on that show. And ADs are rushing on, you have to stop, we have to go outside, there's been a COVID break on stage. 
because they do the COVID test every day. They summon on this, and then they do COVID testing, uh, contact tracing, as, and they said, we will call you tonight as to your status. Wow. And you're feeling like, oh my God. And it's the longest wait you ever had until 9.30 at night. And they said, Stephen, you're fine. You weren't within six feet of the person who had COVID. You and Wendy will come back tomorrow morning at 6.30 and finish the scene. And whenever anybody says, what does it take to be a professional in show business and do comedy? What it takes is you have to do half of a scene at 7.30 at night, get the pants scared off of you with COVID, waiting for the phone call, and then come wake up at four in the morning, come back the next day at 6.30 and finish a comedy scene. That's what it takes to be a professional and do comedy. So it's been hair-raising. And at first, uh, when I started working, it was, if not now, when? You know, the old Jewish saying, you know, uh, I, I have to work sometime. But the more you work, you go like, buddy boy, is it worth it? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, people are get falling down right and left of you uh, on every show I've been on. So it's been stressful, stressful. How about you, Wendy? How's it been for you? Um, when the pandemic, uh, right before the pandemic started, I was in a play uh, called Old Jews Telling Jokes. Guess what I played? Um, and that was happening in Palm Springs. And we closed a day early because word was coming down the pike that this was going to get serious. Our producers didn't want to let us opt out of our contract because they said, oh, this thing's nothing. It's going to blow over. It's nothing. And we convinced them to let us go. I remember going back to LA. The next day I went to yoga class. I said to my yoga teacher, I'll see you tomorrow. And that was two and a half years ago. The next day, Gavin Newsom had to shut down the country, uh, the, uh, the state. So um, uh, comedy clubs went quiet, obviously. Live theater was dead. Uh, and I, although I participated in a lot of online performance or some online performance of storytelling uh, in other people's shows, and I, I, I said no to um, doing any comedy on the computer because I just couldn't wrap my brain around trying to make people I couldn't see or hear laugh. <laughs> it didn't interest me because <laughs> that's really what the gig was. You're like, okay, I'm going to pause right now because I assume you're having a great time. I can't see you. I can't hear you, but awesome. So I just, I just opted out and I made a decision not to do uh, storytelling until I, it was safe to do it again. And so we've been back since last November. Um, and then this show we do with you in November will be the fourth Tasty Word show uh, production uh, since all of this since the world went upside down uh, and we are still masked in the theater. I don't know what the requirements are in Torrance, but at the time we were still masked. Audience members were masked, testing all the performers backstage, taking all the precautions we could. Uh, and then at a certain point, I think the value of community and laughter is so healing and so necessary to build one's immune system that I feel like it's important for people to come out and to enjoy their lives and see these stories and hear them. So we carry on as best we well, can. And I, and I won't make any mention of any protocols because be, between the time from today and the time this actually goes yeah. online, who knows what it'll be. That's um, true. But Very thankfully, true. we're we're we we are in the midst of a season and and things are moving forward. So hopefully, fingers crossed, things continue mm-hmm. to improve. Um, and actually, Stephen, you brought up a you had mentioned like uh, when people ask you about the what it is to be a what it takes to be a professional actor. One of the um, one of the things that this organization does is we um, try to nurture and mentor young per- performers and, and try and encourage them to pursue that, uh, their creative side. Um, 
so one of the things I always like to, one of the things we do is we do a, a South Bay's Got Talent, which I, Wendy uh, has judged in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, inevitably we will get asked, you know, gee, what does it take to, what, what words of wisdom do you have? So I always like to ask our guests, what words of wisdom do you have for somebody who wants to pursue performing as a career? Wow. Um, I I have a a simple answer and a more complex one. The simple one is read plays, read all the plays you can, just keep reading them. And then when you can see plays, plays, as opposed to movies, as opposed to whatever, see plays. Because I think plays is what fires the engine of show business. It's Mm. what makes the writers of television and film good if they're good, and it makes the actors, it's a great testing ground for actors, theater rather than than film. So I would say immerse yourself in it. I remember I went in for a career day at Beverly Hills High School, and they had one fellow speaking in front of me who, who is a wonderful actor, but he's he sells real estate is what he does for a living. You know, and he was getting up there talking about the wonders of of being in show business and the wonders of, it's just such a wonderful thing and all this. And then I got up and I said, yeah, but you sell real estate. I I said, how many of you in this room, and there were like 200 kids, I said, how many of you would like to be in show business if you weren't in a movie or a television show, that you could only work in free theater and that you had to take an extra job to support your home and family so you would be able to do that free theater and nobody shows up for the show just your friends show up for the show you don't get any critics coming to to review your work how many of you in this room would still want to be in show business be an actors and two little girls in the back little girls they were seniors in high school two girls raised their hand and i said you're the only two that are going to make it. It's like you you have to be, you have to want it so badly that when you get the rejections, which happen constantly, that it doesn't damage the little part of your soul that makes you creative. Mm. And, and, and the best way to do that is knowing that your creativity is more important than how you are reviewed by the world for your creativity mm-hmm. you know the world the world has always been kind of stupid so you you have to hear that voice inside of yourself and saying like it's important for me to have this moment of truth that's what i think bravo wendy what's what's your take far be it to me to say anything after mr stephen tobolowski one of my great <laughs> heroes and angels and supporters of my work in my life, but I will add this one thing. Um, if possible, also create your own content and don't wait for the business to call you and ask you, would you like to come and play in the sandbox? Make your own sandbox. I think the, the thing that shifted in my life is I went from wanting to be with the cool kids in Hollywood to realizing I should just do my own work. And the people that I am excited about working with if they're meant to show up, they will. And that's sort of the way I have been able to create work and enjoy the process of being in a very challenging business. And I work in film and television when it happens, but I don't rely on it because like you said about the real estate guy, I do these other projects that I create so that I can make a living and still and not be bitter and enjoy the work that I do. And, and I have to 
tag on Wendy of this one because she brought it up. It's like I was at one point, this is an example of what Wendy said, and it also has to do with our show that we're going to do. Uh, I broke my neck uh, riding on a horse in Iceland. Uh, doctor said it was fatal injury. I was at home. I couldn't do anything. So because, of course, it wasn't fatal, I thought, what if I died on that mountain? I started writing stories. One of the stories I wrote was it's not my dog for the pooch. And I sent that story, besides doing my stories for Wendy, those stories are the stories that a friend sent to his agent in New York that ended up at Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster read the stories and it's not my dog and said, we wanna publish this book. The stories became published and it all happened because I had a broken neck and needed something to create during that period of time with no expectation of anything good coming from it. And, and so you have to always create your own content, always. For creative people, create, creative acts are like oxygen. We don't do well without them. So I, you know, I run and facilitate creative writing workshops for writers and I do it because I need the support, they need the support, but just the act of doing it really does make the world a sweeter, smaller place and allows us to continue moving forward as humans and as artists. And, and, and it's necessary, especially in these times. So. Uh, and, and things like that always remind me of, I think it was a Confucius saying that birds sing because they have to, not because they want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I really do appreciate you guys taking the time. Again, the show is My Dog is Better Than Yours, and we will find out who's dog is better than who's uh, <laughs> uh saturday november 5th at the armstrong theater uh tickets are on sale now um wendy steven thank you so very much it's been a pleasure and i can't i can't wait to uh to hear the stories so looking forward to it thank you so much thanks